Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Movie Maniacs Podcast. As promised, I am delivering you my review for Avatar, The Way of the Water, on Saturday to end this week off. Still a whole lot to tackle before we wrap up 2022, and hopefully all of that will be coming soon. I got a review for The Fablemans coming out in a couple days, so stay tuned for that. Eight days till Christmas crazy how fast this year has gone by it seems like just a couple weeks ago i was heavily anticipating the batman and now it's been nine months since that movie came out which is just crazy to me it feels so long ago or it feels like just a just a little bit ago since we got that movie um but now we're here to talk about the big oscar contenders in december and <clears throat> i was talking to my this a little bit of a side topic here but i was talking to my mom yesterday and she was like i really feel like we're getting a lot of great stuff this month or a lot of big movies and i was like hold on a second like these are a lot of these movies are all, all the things that i put on my top 10 most anticipated babylon uh which i'm not sure if i'm seeing at this point it but we'll, we'll just have to see how all that plays out babylon um the whale avatar way of the water the fablemans so many of my most anticipated movies are coming out in December. The latter half of the year has always been my personal favorite when it comes to movies. You know, I didn't feel like we had an especially strong summer movie season. We had uh, Top Gun Maverick and Nope. Other than that, I wasn't really that impressed with the output. The MCU has, I don't think that they haven't made something I've liked this year, which is crazy. Like I haven't liked any MCU movies this year. That, that that's that's very very surprising to me but um you know it, it's been a weird year for sure but in reflection and we'll do, reflect more on this year uh as the end of the year comes even closer but it's been a a, a solid year uh, i i was a little disappointed in the middle of 2022 but when i look back now uh, with a different perspective on this year in terms of looking at what 2022 has provided for us movie-wise, I think it was a solid year. You know, um, Scors uh, not Scorsese, Tarantino had a new book come out this year called Cinema Speculation, and I bought it, and he actually did a podcast uh, with uh, Tom Segura that I listened to, and he pretty much blatantly said, this is the worst period of movies Ever, ever. Um, I don't know how, if I, I I agree with him on some aspects and disagree with him on others because I mean I'm for me at least just because this is my period of watching movies. Some of my favorite films are movies that came out in this period. But what I will say is they are largely movies that. Yeah, my like my top thirty largely are movies that did not come out this century even, but nevertheless, I I still think there are a lot of positives you can take out of this year, out of uh, last year. The best are still delivering the best. That's what that's what I'm going to say. Edgar Wright, um, Denis Villeneuve, Christopher Nolan, Tarantino, Scorsese, Spielberg, uh, the greats of this of this period are still making some of the best stuff. You know, we're, I'm going to be talking about the Fablements in a little bit. 
uh, in a couple of days from now. And Spielberg is still like, even with West Side Story last year, he still has uh, a a somewhat of a pulse on movies that connect with a certain type of audience that may be a little bit smaller than it was, uh, you know, thirty years ago. But his movies still hit with a certain audience. It was really a shame to me, guys. I, I watched The Fablemans at my house, downstairs, in my living room. And I felt like a guilty man who had just committed murder sitting on my couch with my little TV uh, watching the watching the Spielberg make his ode to movie making. And I was like, gosh darn it. I feel like I need to be watching this in a theater. What is wrong with me? What is going on? Why am I not watching this in a theater? It's not playing. It, 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 AMC is not playing this movie. I, I, I just, I'm not as in tune with how the movie system works to really even understand why Steven Spielberg, arguably the greatest director of all time, he's not my personal pick, but he's in the conversation without question. And for him to be making arguably one of his most important films in his filmography, the Fablements, his ode to movie making, every director reaches this point almost. If you if you stay in the game long enough, Tarantino, Scorsese, they've all had that movie that is just their love letter to making movies. Tarantino is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Scorsese it seemingly was Hugo. This, for Spielberg, it's The Fablements. And, and this is one of the most important entries in a film, in a legendary filmmaker's resume it may not always be the best who goes not one of scorsese's best films and people may disagree with me on that comparison that it's his ode to movie making that's what i took out of it when i watched it and i think that's a a perspective that many people will agree with it with me on but they may not always be the best and sometimes they can be borderline um cheesy uh overly sentimental you could say i am personally a movie that gets sentimental i i don't have a massive problem with it's not always what i love to see but once upon a time once upon a time in hollywood is my favorite tarantino movie i've seen it at least a dozen times and will likely see it many more times to come it's a movie i absolutely love and the fablements i'll save my reviewer for that but there is a lot of heart in that film regardless of whether you recommend it or not i feel like I don't know what it was, the 2010s, and yeah, I think the 2010s, maybe early 2000s even, were easily Scorsese's, arguably his worst period ever in, in making movies. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. That 2000 to 2010s period we just weren't getting a lot of great stuff from Spielberg. He was trying a couple different things out. Ready Player One. Then he would go back and make Lincoln, which I liked, but not many people look on as a great film. I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's a really solid film that is a decent movie in in screenplay, but is elevated by, an obviously, a fantastic performance by Daniel Day-Lewis. But all that being said... Um, I think movies still can deliver, uh, it, it, even in the somewhat patchy period or, or sketchy period that we are at right now, where in a lot of ways, when I look at the landscape, I don't love what I see, but then we'll get a movie like Dune 
which I've gone back to so many times now, or a movie like West Side Story, uh, The Batman, which just kind of delivered on what I wanted a Batman movie to be, Top Gun Maverick, which is the embodiment of what a fun blockbuster action film should be, helmed by one of the few action movie stars that we have nowadays. And then um, we have a movie like Avatar Way of the Water, which I think a lot of people were questioning heading into this movie. Were they going to be able to make this 13 years worth the wait? And already the movie is, you know, it's developed a lot of great critical buzz. And that was what I expected from the movie just because the razzle-dazzle of, you know, the visuals and the music, the experience is so incredible. It it is so uh, immersive that walking out of the theater, like, I got, guys, I got so enveloped in the three-hour runtime of this movie, enveloped in the experience. I barely looked away from the screen. The, I watched this in 3D. This movie, I, it was one of the most immersive experiences I've had in a theater. And to walk out is one of the most weird exitings of a movie that I've ever had because you get so enveloped into this movie. I take I took no bathroom breaks. I barely had any water. I did not want to get any water because I did not want to leave this movie because the departure midway through this movie would just be weird. So I did not want to take any bathroom breaks. I I just immersed myself into Avatar Way of the Water. And before we get into the script, whether the movie is good on its own, we have to address the elephant in the room here. And that's the not even the elephant in the room. We have to address the obvious. And that is the visuals of the movie are phenomenal. They are phenomenal. And... It makes the 13 years worth the wait. Like, there is a difference here. I mean, I heard some people saying, oh, you know, I watched the trailer. It doesn't look that different. The experience of watching this, uh, the trailer on your phone and then going to see this three-hour movie in theaters, it's not even a comparable experience. It, it, it just isn't. And this is another case similar to Avatar 2009 when, you know, I gave you guys my expectations for this movie uh, last episode, and then kind of recapped at my thoughts on Avatar 2009. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. But I, I said that 70% or arguably 90% of Avatar 2009 was just that immersive experience. It is so incredible that the IMAX 3D, it is the way to see this movie. See this movie on the biggest, best screen that you can in 3D. I, I think it's essential, in all honesty. Not not vital, but it, if you want to have the best experience with this movie, it's Way of the Water. I don't ever recommend 3D, but for Avatar 2009 and for Way of the Water in 2022, that's the way to see it. Uh, it undoubtedly, so it is the way to see this movie. The 3D, it, it, it's incredible. It really does immerse you in this world. I mean... At times, it looks photorealistic. It, it's crazy to me how well James Cameron has used up every penny of this budget. Red Notice, Thor Love and Thunder, Avengers Endgame. These movies have a similar budget to Avatar Way of the Water and do not look half as good. 
half as good. And I can say this in many ways. Um, let's look at Tar. Let's look at Top Gun Maverick even. I want to see the budget for that. Top Gun Maverick budget. Oh, $170 million. It's incredible to me how expensive some of these movies are, yet don't show any of it. <laughs> they have nothing to show when it gets to the big screen. It almost feels like with some films like Red Notice or uh, some of these other star-studded films, like half the budget goes to the to the cast. And the ultimate uh, problem with that is that I didn't think Red Notice looked good at all. It's a very dull-looking movie. And there are a lot of cases like that nowadays where the big-budget movie in many ways, looks the worst. Uncharted, Thor, Love, and Thunder had moments where I thought, okay, that looks cool, the black and white, whatever, that, that was pretty neat. But all that stuff on Earth looks so bad. The um, Zeus stuff was atrocious looking. It, it, and Black Widow, I mean, let's put the budget for that because that movie, I mean, everybody knows that shot, right, of, you know, I think it's Florence Pugh, she sticks her beer or whatever into the uh to like a repeller in the plane and it's one of the worst looking shots i've seen in the movie in so long it's awful uh it, that movie costs 200 million this is what 200 million gets you it, it's really incredible there's the dull grayness of a lot of movies nowadays the muted colors avatar way of the water is a vibrant colorful beautiful movie it looks incredible it's it really is a fantastic experience just watching this movie, letting everything wash over you. I mean, it, it's such an immersive, beautiful experience and one that I, I will appreciate for a long time, Un undoubtedly so. This movie will recapture audiences' imaginations just like it did in 2009. If you weren't in the experience in 2009, I, there may be a little bit more for you here, but... A lot of the story beats could arguably be similar. I don't think this movie is going to convert people over to the world of Pandora. But, man, I mean, I don't know how you could not get enveloped in this visual experience. I'm sure people did. I'm sure there's going to be things. I don't get it. I don't like it. Uh, for me, I loved the, the visual look of this movie. I have no complaints. I really don't. I have no complaints. It's immersive. I was just fascinated looking at the hair of of uh, you know, uh, of Jake in this movie, the, the Mel Gibson hairdo that he's got going on from Braveheart. I, I was just looking at his hair. It's so detailed. This world is so perfectly crafted. Sorry. So detailed that I just couldn't take my eyes off it. It, it really is mind-blowing how great this movie looks. And in that that argument, I have no complaints over. I, I just don't. I have no complaints over the visuals of this movie. You're not going to find me having any. But I think we all knew that, right? I think many of us knew this movie was going to look incredible. But James Cameron is able to use the big budget of this movie and make it out to be a and, – and, and make it – more than just great technology, great CGI. He knows how to, the, the little tricks. I, I talked about this last episode. James Cameron has those little tricks, those little uh, writing tools that help you get attached to the characters. More so than 2009, I thought. And listen, if you didn't listen to that episode, 
I like Avatar 2009. I know a lot of a lot of people don't nowadays. I'm one of the few now who think that's a good film for what it is. Is it high, you know, like, you know, Dune or something like that? No, it's not. But nevertheless, it is a good film, great visuals that still hold up today, which is in, uh, very impressive. And Way of the Water is able to strengthen the script of that 2009 movie significantly i thought at least my attachment to the characters the new uh the, the children that they bring along uh that this movie's almost more focused on than the original cast members in the 2009 film jake and uh natiri almost take a step back for for to a lot of the 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 kid storylines of the movie and I was able to get very much invested in this family because that's what this movie really wants to focus on is the is the family that is the center of the movie. And I I thought at least that James Cameron did a better job of getting me attached to the characters of the movie. Sigourney Weaver here uh, playing a different character, playing Kiri in uh in this movie as a kid, which at first was a little weird to me, like it was Sigourney Weaver. I mean, I don't know how old she is, but playing this playing this little, I don't know, I'm assuming 12-year-old, 13 maybe, probably 14. Um, I, at first, was a little confused by, like, why that decision, but then I ended up appreciating it. I liked it, and a lot of these sequences with this character are just her in wonder of the world. The movie looks great in, in the forest, but once the movie heads over to the water, we get these incredible underwater sequences the movie takes an even greater step up they like made new cameras or something for this movie like did they they had to make new like technology to get this underwater stuff and it a hundred percent pays off these sequences underwater are so beautiful here and there are certain sequences in the movie where james cameron just wants you to be with these characters and be in awe with them of how beautiful nature and just the uh, these underwater sequences are. And listen, is that like great storytelling? Uh, you know, probably not. But in terms of just capturing wonder, capturing the imagination of the viewers, I think James Cameron does an exceptional job at that. Um, one of the other kids here, uh, gosh, it's so hard to get these names here, but the younger brother, I'll, I'll say that, the younger brother of, of the family, uh, the sequences that he has with this, uh, this great fish or whatever, uh, which I thought, Here's the critique here. I thought that stuff went a little too long. It was one of the more least interesting storylines of the movie. I thought we could have cut a couple of scenes of that. But there are, especially the first scene where he is swimming with uh, this great creature and going through the water and the creature jumping up uh, through the water and all that stuff. It's just incredible to watch. And the movie captures your wonder. It captures your imagination, which I think is what Avatar was all about originally and is still about today. James Cameron gives you greater investment in these characters, which I think was needed, especially for a five-film series. I questioned whether or not the experience was going to be so good that it would have people coming back, you know, for three more films. I think after watching this movie, I think James Cameron is capable of pulling off this five-film series that he's planning on doing. I think he can make it work. And honestly, I think he can. The experience is just that good and just that satiating where audiences are more than likely going to want to come back and re-immerse themselves in Pandora. The experience is just that good. But 
the simple tools. I mean, look, when we, when we go back to Terminator Judgment Day, right? I, if you've seen that movie, you're invested in the characters. You're invested in uh, in Arnold. You're invested in the mother-son storyline of that movie uh, and the relationship with the kid and the Terminator. That stuff is good, and, but it's simple, right? I think that's some of the stuff James Cameron is just really great at. Ripley and the kid, right? These are not the most highly you know, skilled writing techniques, but sometimes simple is better. And I think James Cameron is one of the most effective people when it comes to crafting a great, big, large-scale blockbuster that still you have that emotional attachment to the characters of this movie. There are sequences in the latter half of this movie where I was genuinely emotionally into the scenes of the movie. There are emotional moments in the movie where I was genuinely impressed that James Cameron had brought me not only along for the visual experience, but for the journey the characters go on. I'm not going to oversell it, but the emotional investment you have in the characters by the end is impressive right along with the visuals. You're still immersed in the world, and you're connected to these characters. Uh, Zoe Saldana's Natiri certainly takes a step back at times, but in the latter half of the film, she and Jake Sully, Sam Worthington's character, they have certain moments in this movie that I thought were genuinely touching, as do the kids in the movie. Stephen Lang even re reprising this role here. I love Stephen Lang in this movie. I just got to give him a shout out. I loved his performance in the Avatar 2009 movie. It's great to have him back. I was laughing and cracking up at some of the lines he has in this movie. He's just so... Uh, he was just so much this character and his his voice and the dialogue is, is just really enjoyable stuff for me. Just in this big blockbuster event, he's a great foil for our characters. All that being said, I do think that James Cameron pulls off the character storylines that he weaves throughout this three-hour and ten-minute experience for it to ultimately pay off. And... I was genuinely impressed by the end that I was emotionally invested in these characters. And that is crucial. James Cameron has been a director who I have always perceived to be somebody who is just wanting to deliver big movies that entertain and connect with the audience. Aliens, Terminator, Terminator Judgment Day, Titanic. These are big movies that connect with audiences, uh, particularly with the Aliens and the Terminator films. They are just there to give the audience a great time. And that is almost in the similar vein of why I loved Top Gun Maverick is it just thoroughly connects with you and, and just how invested you are in just the great time that this movie is giving you. Movies like Uncharted or movies like uh, some of the MCU stuff that we've been getting, they claim to be that, but I don't personally get that level of fun out of those movies, recently at least when it comes to the MCU, like I do with Top Gun Maverick, like I do with the, particularly the third act of Way of the Water, which is nonstop, I mean, possibly an hour-long action sequence, it's, it's very close to it at least, where you're just having a blast, I mean, this movie is a long film, and by the end, you are going, oh man, that was a lot of movie, that was a, that was a heavy film, and just of how, you know, your butt is sitting in that chair for three hours, and you're ready to move by the end, but the, I think James Cameron uses the three-hour runtime to the fullest. There aren't many scenes I would say need to be cut. There were a couple where I was like, okay, let's let's kind of maybe cut this a little bit shorter. But 
overall, I think that the three-hour runtime is uh, earned. And you could you can't say that for a lot of three-hour films that we get, but in uh, uh, this movie's case, I thought it earned the three-hour runtime. It is an epic to the fullest. James Cameron is here to give you a big movie event that you will completely immerse yourself in as well as getting to connected to the characters simple as the plights may, may be and as often as we may have seen them play out before there's something about what james cameron is able to add to the characters of the movie and some of the scenes that he's able to have pay off emotionally where i was genuinely impressed by what he accomplished with the third act of the movie the emotional payoff all felt very much well done, and you got to give him a ton of credit because I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to get emotionally invested in the film. But the new characters that he brings in, I ultimately like, and I am willing to watch this family for three more films. There will obviously have to be new, I think, changes in their journeys. I don't think we'll be able to see these exact same beats play out over three more three-hour-long movies. But for what James Cameron did in Way of the Water, taking sequels out of it, I was invested in the characters. While you may have seen these uh, tropes play out before, I think James Cameron uses these tropes well. And just the visual experience plus the emotional investment that you get with the third act of the movie, which I do think is one of the best third acts arguably of the year and just in terms of the amount of fun I was having and the blockbuster just massiveness of what they're able to accomplish. It's so incredible. It's so much fun. You're at the edge of your seat. Cameron is a good director. He's not just great with the CGI. He's a good director. And the investment that you have with our characters, with the story, by the end of the third act, the epic moments he's able to put on the screen as somebody who will, uh, loves a great A24 film, but equally loves a big, epic, like Lord of the Rings-esque moment, I feel like James Cameron is able to give us certain scenes like that that I found genuinely impressive and fun as a fan of big movies done well. I don't think I think James Cameron is one of the best to do it, and to see him come back with a movie like this, thirteen years out of movie making, to come back and remind people of what a big film is supposed to be. Way of the Water is a prime example of that. Listen, later on this episode, we're gonna have to address whether or not like how this movie is gonna age. I do not know, but for what Way of the Water was. First viewing in a, I thought a near sold out theater, perhaps it was hard getting tickets for this one. It was a packed theater. Seemingly the audience had big reactions. I could tell they were invested. I thought this experience drew everybody in. Uh, my brother, Jude, did not want to watch this movie. Uh, went in rather begrudgingly. I wasn't really sure why, but he went in begrudgingly. This movie won him over. And I think it may win other people over as well. I'm not sure how many. But I think this movie is capable of winning people over. And I was overall genuinely impressed by the experience. I was skeptical, but still excited heading into this experience because I loved what James Cameron was able to do with that 2009 film, just visually. And he's able to add more to that experience, bringing in the underwater stuff, the new tribe, the new characters. They're handled well. And 
I thought James Cameron did an excellent job of keeping you invested in what you originally bought into with the Avatar 2009 film and getting a lot of questions answered. The overall uh, plight of the movie is somewhat answered by the end, but the threads for what is to come in the next three movies are still there. There is still more to this journey, but yet I was still... I still felt satisfied. This was not a part one, part two experience where I, I see part one and I'm left feeling, oh, like that really wasn't a complete film. The movie still feels complete. I could imagine going back and just watching this movie, ending it and feeling satisfied. I feel like I got a full experience by the end of the movie, which was impressive to me. I was happy to have it. I was happy to have that full you know, complete experience, but also still satiating for more. I thought Cameron hit the perfect ratio of leaving you wanting a little bit more, but still feeling completely satisfied with the experience. Once credits rolled, I still sat back going, that was a movie that I enjoyed from start to finish. I still want to see where these characters head in the future, which I don't really know if people felt that way when Avatar 2009 came out. That's why I think Way of the Water is an improvement because me personally, I, I would like to see these characters continue for three more films if they're at the same quality of this sequel that we got here, which I do, I'm going to state for the record, I think is better than what we got in 2009. And visually, story-wise, character-building-wise, world just it, world building wise we don't have any of that unobtainium stuff that i thought felt was a little bit sloppy where perhaps cameron put so much into the visuals that the, the story took a back seat cameron is able to back up this, with the story a little bit more and because of that i think it's a far more rewarding experience as a whole than perhaps avatar was in 2009 before we go i do want to dive a little bit and put everything in summary i do want to mention the performances real quick i mentioned some of my apprehension to Sigourney Weaver playing this teen character. I was, as the movie got moving, I was more convinced by it. I got what they were going for. Uh, Weaver's great. You don't really feel like this is uh, an adult playing this character. It does feel like a youth, wiser, and older beyond her years. And I think that's what Cameron was going for. And I think he succeeded in that respect. The other side performances I think are good. Uh, Kate Winslet uh, is in here. I, I forgot that she was in this movie, but uh, I was—I think I was able to spot her character, who she was playing. Sam Worthington as Jake Soley is perfectly uh, accepting this leader-father role that he has, and I really like to see this side of the character. We got kind of the fish-out-of-water stuff from him in 2009, and now we're seeing him develop into this leader of his uh, and father of the family role. And I liked that uh, arc that he went on through the movie. He's already kind of in that leader position, but uh, developing that deeper understanding of what he's supposed to do and the resolution to that arc. I thought all that was great. I love the look of the character. He does look like Mel Gibson from Braveheart. And I, I really did thought, I thought that was pretty cool. The shot of him on the, um, sea creature whatever approaching the ship uh in the third act it was just pure braveheart to me and i love when cameron goes to those epic moments that while this is a great futuristic sci-fi film it's able to provide you some of those classic lord of the rings braveheart epic moments that i love in so many movies that's one of the things i think cameron is great at is just providing you with some of these epic moments 
that I love. And Way of the Water has a lot of them that I really did enjoy. Zoe Saldana as a Tiri does take a bit of a backseat. I would have liked to see her more in this movie. That might be a criticism criticism of mine because I think Saldana is so good as this character. And her performance out of everybody in this cast, I think, shines through the most. The moments of mourning, the moments of anger, and just pure, unfiltered emotion that she's able to capture through the mocap is honestly incredible. I'm not saying, you know, like best actress nomination here, but if this movie, if this series starts to give her a bit more of a spotlight than what I feel like she's gotten in the past two films, her performance is really that good. I mean, it's Andy Circus. A Planet of the Apes level that we're kind of approaching with her as this character. I'd have liked to see this movie give her a bit more of a spotlight because she is so good, particularly in the third act, the rampage she goes on. Her performance, I thought, was fantastic. I hope that we get a little bit more of her in the sequels. Uh, Stephen Lang, I mentioned before, is fantastic. He's a great villain. I love uh, just uh, the mannerisms of the character, the great lines he gets. I love action movie lines. I mentioned it with Violet Knight, I think, uh, last episode or, or maybe the episode before. But I love when we get just kind of these, like, um, American military. Like, uh, it's just that that opening uh, scene in Avatar 2009 where he goes, we're not in Kansas anymore. I thought all that stuff was great, and I really enjoyed it. His performance, it, I, I'm assuming we're potentially going to be seeing him return, a little bit of a spoiler, as uh, – the rest of the series progresses. Uh, I'm glad that he's going to be sticking around. Uh, I think that the way that they bring him back into the series after dying in the Avatar 2009 movie, um, perhaps is going to be a little weird for some audiences at first, but once you accept, hey, we're getting Stephen Lane back and we're giving him a little bit more of a three, giving him a little bit more of a three dimensional character than perhaps what we got in 2009, where he's just pure villainy. We have, we do get to see some softer moments of this character in the movie, uh, bringing in his son. Uh, I thought was a, a neat move. While I don't always like the character, uh, his, his son, I think it's always some of the stuff I wasn't a big fan of I, for what he serves to the Stephen Lane character and to some of the other characters in the movie, I think ultimately works while I wasn't always a, big fan of this character i i like how he makes the overall villain of this movie feel a little bit more three-dimensional and i thought that that ultimately served uh to give us a bit of a strong even a stronger villain than what we got in 2009 and it's great to have Stephen link back as this character guys i don't really think i have much more to say music's great by the way a, a lot of reused themes but they definitely send a chill up your spine Ultimately, I think the man of the hour here is James Cameron. He's been out of the spotlight for 13 years, and he comes back and delivers uh, one of the most exciting blockbuster experiences I think we've gotten in a long time. Is this a perfect film? No, there are story beats that we have seen before, tropes uh, that we've seen played out before. I think Cameron does them well, but it's going to bug people that we kind of know, you know, we've okay, we've seen these tropes before. But Cameron uses these simple little story beats to ultimately serve uh, – to make the, the story and the characters feel far more rock solid and have a better foundation than perhaps what we had in 2009. What he's able to do, this great three-hour epic that uses its runtime, uses its budget to its absolute advantage. The visuals are incredible. I'm here to say it is worth the 13-hour wait, uh, or 13 hour, the 13 years that we waited on this movie. Guys, I got to give this one a strong recommend. Maybe this won't be for everybody. Maybe people are going to, ah, I didn't like the story. I didn't like the characters. Um, 
I ultimately did because I understand what move we're getting here. This is not going to be Tar or uh, the Banshees of Entrin, movies that are have a highly well-written, expertly crafted script. That is not what Way of the Water is. Way of the Water is here to provide you an epic blockbuster event. And if you're in on those types of movies, Way of the Water is one of the best I've seen in a long time. It's it's in that Top Gun Maverick vein of just it's it's a blast for the entire runtime. And the nature documentary aspects of the movie are great. The emotion that he gets out in the third act, which I think is epic, one of the most fun times I've had in a theater this year. And the beauty of nature that he's able to capture in this movie with some of the sequences. I thought were incredible. I, I just love James Cameron's unabashed appreciation for nature and the beauty and innocence of this world. The deeper dive into the story building, I enjoyed. It's a great experience all around. It won my brother over, and I, it, to me, it delivered on everything I was hoping for. It's a completely unique experience from everything that we've seen so far in 2021 uh, or 2022 incredible guys it deserves the best picture nomination maybe not for what other films are getting nominated for but for what way of the water does delivering perhaps the quintessential blockbuster epic sci-fi fantasy event that we've kind of been missing in my opinion i really did appreciate this experience and enjoyed every minute of it it's a strong recommend see it in imax see it in 3d it is undoubtedly worth the wait and worth the watch. I enjoyed it. It's an epic event. It's, it gave me goosebumps in a lot of respects just because of how much the visuals are immersive. It is a, just a beautiful experience when Cameron just lets the CGI and the world do its work. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when it gets down to the action and the characters and the story, it's also equally an enjoyable time. So there you go. In summary, Wave of the Water delivered on what I was hoping for. It's a strong recommend. Guys, give this movie a watch. I thought it was a pretty awesome experience in 2022. One of the best theater experiences I've had all year, undoubtedly. Guys, there's the review. But let's think about the future here. A successful opening weekend, I believe, for Way of the Water. I think it's around $200 million, Or No, let me see if that's correct here. Budget's $250 million. I'm not sure if what I saw about it having to be fourth or fifth highest gross in the movie to break even is true. We're going to have to see. Uh, only time will tell how this box office goes. I predict it's only going to get better. Um, the Way of the Water earns 53 domestic first day pacing for 130 million frame. Global total at 180 million through Friday. Saturday update Disney reports Avatar Way of the Water posted a 53 million opening day domestically, including Thursday's 17 million preview. I saw this Thursday. Now, Good opening weekend. I predict it's only going to get better. I think this movie can be a success. I'm not sure if the report about this being the fourth or fifth uh, highest grossing movie of all time in order to even break even is true. I hope it's not because I would like to see this be a successful series. It is very, you know, it's obviously sequel based and all, all, all that stuff. But I mean, these are still, you know, new stories. And I'm interested in seeing what Cameron has planned for three, four and five. Can he keep up this pace and this level of interest? I'm not sure. If it's anywhere, if it's as good as Wave the Water, like throughout, and it's that consistent, we got a good series on our hands, guys. So 
if he's able to keep that up and keep adding things that are fresh, things that are new, keeping us on our toes, I mean, we've got something pretty good here. Reviews over time, I'm going to be interested in seeing how they change because I do think people are going to possibly change their review on this movie. We'll see whether or not I do. I don't know if I'm going to watch this film again if it's not in theaters. I might, though, because I think this one does stand on its own two feet better than the than the first one did. But nevertheless, guys, the experience of seeing this at IMAX in 3D as compared to the viewing experience you're going to get at your home, I don't care how good your home theater is, it's not as good as what the theater is able, going to be able to provide for you in terms of the 3D experience, which I 100% recommend. A successful opening weekend for Wave of the Water Will it ultimately be a success overall? I mean, when all is said and done, has it made its money back? Has it made a good profit? I'm not sure. Will it do as good as Avatar did in 2009? We'll have to see. But that's going to be a very interesting story to see run its course. Let's switch topics for a second because I want to get a couple trailers out of the way. We got the trailer for the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite, quite the... Uh, <laughs> The change in topic there, but Greta Gerwig is the reason I'm really sitting down to talk about this movie because I don't know if I would watch this movie unless Greta Gerwig was attached to it. I, I watched The Little Women. I've seen it twice now. It's a very good film. It really is. It's one of the better films of 2019, a year that I consider to be very good, and I think that she's a one of the best prospects in movie making right now why exactly she's picking this to be her next film i am not sure and I, the trailer itself the ode to 2001 and the quick flash of ryan gosling and margot robbie as their respective barbie doll characters um the 2001 joke was was nice uh but the movie's gonna the trailers and movie it's gonna have to do a little bit more to convince me that this movie's actually like gonna be any good you know i mean toy story and the lego movie taught us that these toy properties or whatever or these toy toy characters can have actually something interesting to say about life and about you know the world that we live in which is crazy to even think about but I, if anybody can do it i think it is greta gerwig i didn't see any of that in this trailer it was a neat little ode to 2001 and the flash of the barbie world was you know it looked good looked vibrant looked colorful and Ryan Gosling and Mike Robbie do look like they're Barbie doll characters. I will say that. I'm not a fan of this property for obvious reasons, but uh, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic because Greta Gerwig is behind it. I think that is some cause for reassurance and pe for people who aren't as interested in watching this movie. Her being behind it has me a little more interested in its problem. I'm going to end up watching this movie in the theaters, which I, 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 I cannot believe that I'm doing, but I didn't get a whole lot of this trailer, but I'm still optimistic for what Greta Gerwig can add with Noah Baumbach writing this movie with her as well. That's even more cause for reassurance. Still not sure what exactly Gerwig is going to be tackling with this movie. Why exactly she's choosing this to be her next film after the success that was Little Women is still a mystery. But I remain optimistic because she and her husband, Noah Baumbach, are writing the screenplay and she's directing it. Uh, I think this movie can ultimately be solid. We're going to have to see how it ultimately pans out in 2023. Speaking of what's to come in 2023, in IMAX 3D, I got to watch the new trailer 
for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, and it was awesome. We had gotten that teaser um, when we went to go watch Nope in the summer. Now we've gotten that official trailer, and it looks freaking incredible. It's awesome. <laughs> Oppenheimer is probably going to be my number one most anticipated movie of 2023, followed by Martin Scorsese's Close of the Flower Moon and Fincher's the Killer, which once I think once we get a trailer for The Killer and uh, for Close of the Flower Moon, that little trifecta will start to shift around a little bit more. Nolan is, without a doubt, the biggest name in directing when it comes to the box office. He brings the interest that he brings with his movies. He's one of the last that really makes big event films. Cameron was back, and I think he and Nolan are very similar in a lot of respects. Uh, both of them admire the big, epic theater event. And I really respect that about both of them. Nolan is one of my favorite directors working today. He's one of the reasons one of the reasons I love movies as much as I do. What we've seen from Oppenheimer is still very obscure. We're not really sure uh, of a lot yet, but we we got to see that the main focus from this trailer, at least, was the construction and testing of that first atomic bomb. Matt Damon seemingly overseeing Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer in the construction of this bomb, the weighing of the stakes is definitely going to be the moral center of this movie, and I'm very excited to see Nolan dive into it. I'm predicting uh, of one of his best films, and honestly, my expectations are high. The trailer has only reassured me of that, and I'm very excited to see what he brings to us in 2023. I really do think this could be one of his best films, in all honesty. I, I, I truly do think that. I'm very much excited for this film, guys. This will easily be a movie I'm hyped for. Nolan is one of my favorite directors. I've already said that before. But man, oh man, it's really just an incredible, incredible experience to watch a Christopher Nolan film and that we're getting a new one. It just feels like an event to me. I'm excited to see what uh, Oppenheimer is going to be. This trailer reassured me. Killian Murphy leading this star-studded cast is exciting. Uh, I think he's one of the best actors working today. And Nolan directing him is, a, I think, a great combination. Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Flores Pugh, uh, Rami Malek. The, uh, Gary Oldman, the cast is just stacked from top to bottom. It's going to be, I, I predict, a really great film. And uh, I don't really have much more to say on it. The trailer looks, I mean, visually, visually, I think this trailer is just phenomenal. It, it really is. It looks fantastic. I'm very much excited to see, you know, what more teases Nolan brings to us in the future. There's always that that scene, that opening scene to every Christopher Nolan film that he puts in IMAX. We haven't gotten that yet. I'm very excited to see what exactly that is, but the combination of the black and white and the fire red orange from the atomic bomb explosion, it's just a, a great looking trailer. I'm excited to see what Nolan's bringing us. I'm a massive fan. This is going to be one of my most anticipated movies of 2023, and this trailer only reaffirms it. Definitely one to look out for next year. And a year that looks very stacked. I'll preview that next year in early January, perhaps late December. Guys, I don't really have much more to add today. Go see Avatar Way of the Water. It was a great blockbuster experience. Two trailers to look out for next year. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer definitely leading that conversation. But Barbie still one to look out for because of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach being behind it. I don't have much more to add. Coming up next is my review for The Fablemans, perhaps a Spielberg ranking if I'm feeling like it. Uh, undeniably one of the greats of all time in directing. Still one of the best to do it right now, and we'll see whether or not he delivers with The Fablemans, a movie that's undeniably going to have a lot of heart 
and a lot of sentimentality because of its somewhat semi-autobiographical nature and connection to Spielberg. I'm excited to talk about it. I watched it last night. I'll give you guys my thoughts on it real soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Let me know what you think of Avatar Way of the Water. I didn't. I haven't really read a lot of reviews for this movie besides seeing some of the positive reactions, but I'm sure there's going to be some people who are uh, not going to be a fan of the movie. Over time, those people are going to start to come out, and I, you know, I'll see what the criticisms are. But I felt like the story was solid enough. I felt like the characters, uh, you get in a, a connection with them that pays off by the end of the movie, and the visual experience is a. One of the kind, worth the 13-year wait. Go check it out. It's a strong recommend. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys next time with my review for The Fablements. Peace.